you ever try to figure out how blessed you are? I think we could spend a spell there. Yeah. Probably weeks, months, if we really got down to business about it. Yeah. Open your Bibles. We're going to begin in a particular scripture in the book of Psalms tonight. We're going to move to some New Testament scripture. Everybody get there. Well, 119. Psalms 119. I don't think I said that, but there you go. Give you a little preliminary information on the forefront here. Uh, a lot of people don't know, and I, I fail many times. Uh, just some interesting things about the Bible. This is the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalms 119. It's made up of different sections. If you'll pay attention, each, each of them have a subheading. They all begin with the letters of the uh, Hebrew alphabet. First first letter in each name. Mine's got a person says Aleph. Is yours yeah. have the title? Yeah. yeah. That's and then they go all the way through. To the final uh, section in Psalms 119 is the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Just interesting. And uh, right in the middle of the Bible, 119, uh, there's a scripture. I can't remember the actual scripture, but it, it's uh, this is in the exact center of the Bible. So just some things to take note of. Uh, there's a scripture that we we hear a lot, and uh, it's been used recently. I've used it several times, and I believe Brother Tanner has in discussions of. This is kind of one of those go-to scriptures that we kind of grab a hold of and we'll throw it out there and quote it especially when things come our way that might not be good things and be trying to cause us to do something anybody ever have that problem besides me some little whatever comes along tries to cause you to do something we're going to get down to the root of it here in a minute but uh, this uh, of course is written by David King David and very short scripture and you're going to recognize it immediately when I give it to you. It's the 11th verse. Simply says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Sounds pretty simple. Seems, should be pretty self-explanatory. Kind of, sort of, you think? Well, in a way it is. But like all of God's word, there are depths that we have been invited to go to in any particular portion you name, front to back of the whole Bible, all in between. It's open invitation to get you a spiritual shovel and start digging and start mining out the ingredients that we have before us. And this little bitty scripture holds an absolute treasure chest. And that's what David's trying to get out and that's what he's trying to say. Let's break it down a little bit. This is, of course, open forum night. You can ask questions, you can comment, and uh, feel free to do that just, again, by raising your hand and let's be orderly about it. Uh, of course, the first two words you said is thy word. 
speaking of God's word, God's Amen. ordinances. Again, like a while back, I emphasized that in David's day, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have some of the Bible in his day. Because mm -hmm. the other prophets lived after David that prophesied their books or the minor prophets that come later. So what David is talking about, thy word, David had an open communication with the Lord. How many of you know that? Mm -hmm. read, read about it. He, he could talk to God. God talked back. Boy, how's that? So he, he had the word of God as God spoke to him. And if you read, I mean, you can go to 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and get into Kings. You can read Psalms. David's all over it in his relationship with God. So he had a lot of converse or conversation with the Lord. Uh, God specifically told him many times what to do, when to do it. Sometimes we know David didn't follow what God said and it got David in some pretty serious circumstances. Mm -hmm. Consequences evolved from that. That was, I believe you mentioned that yeah. recently. Yeah. Consequences. Uh, so I guess we could kind of sort of say of, of all people, David kind of knows pretty much what he's talking about here. Mm -hmm. uh, at least what needs to be. Well, that hasn't changed. What David said here wasn't just for David some thousands of years ago. What David says here, even though he was addressing it in a personal sense, he said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart. It's a, it's a, a stress to all generations forward because that's what the word of God is. Some take it simply as a historical document all put together between covers, and that's basically all it is. The word of God's alive. Amen. It's It's spiritual. It speaks to us, it teaches us, it instructs us, it, it betters us as we again dig into it and say, well, wait a minute, I read that and I've heard that, but I really want to know what he's talking about. I, I want to see what it is David's saying here. Even though in simplicity it looks like it's just a real skim of the surface comment, but it's a lot deeper than that. We're going to look a little further. So he says, thy word have I Hid. He made it personal right there. Mm -hmm. Have I hid? Not they, not that guy over there, not that girl, not mama, not daddy, grandma, grandma. I. It's personal. And this is something absolutely, it's an invitation as well as it is <coughs> I considered and I receive it uh, in a way as a command for our betterment. When we do this, we're going to be better for it. When we do what? Well, the entirety of the scripture. We'll read it again. Have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee? Hid here, you might readily identify that and think, well, it means we'll go put something in there and cover it up for nobody can see it. That's not what it's talking about. The word here in the Hebrew actually means to cover over for the particular reason to deny and prevent. What are we going to deny and prevent? What's he talking about? That I might not sin against so what it. What is it that he's covering his heart over with that's going to deny or prevent from affecting him? Word. He's going to, the word's the cover, but what is it he's trying to deny or prevent from affecting him? Sin. What is it we're all faced with? Sin. Every day. What it, what the, the first thing before it ever becomes sin, what is it? Temptation. Temptation. 
Can you see the shield? The word of God being a shield to resist or ward off or to deny whatever form it comes in. And I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of forms of temptation that exist. In the, there's basically three, though. How's three a lot? Well, there's three made huge umbrellas that everything else comes under. First one's the world, temptation of the world. And we know the major one is temptation of not what, but who? Satan. What's the third one? What's the one we deal with the most? Flesh. Flesh. Satan, world, and flesh. That's the three majors. Now, underneath those, there are a variety of things that can be our, our worst enemy. And saying that is the worst enemy most usually resides in us. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I know we, I think I've done a message or two, and I, I think maybe Tanner has and others as well, but, you know, there used to be a comedian on, on TV, his name was Flip Wilson, and he'd say, the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do anything. Come on. He cannot make you do anything. He can try to get you to do something. Matter of fact, as far as tempter, that's that's a title of Satan, tempter. You know how many times it's used in the Bible? Twice. In that form. Now there's other allusions to his status and his presence, but tempter is only used twice. Uh, one's in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 3, and the other's in 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 5. The first one is talking about the tempter coming to Jesus. See, the tempter comes when it's a real serious situation because we all know he can't be present everywhere at one time. He's not like God. Do you know that? I'm doing some educating tonight. You need to know that. He can't be everywhere at one time. But you can be everywhere you go all the time. Hmm. So there's a lot more temptation that occurs within our fleshly vessel than what he's able to try to bring. And, you know, he what he was trying to do is get Jesus to break. We know when Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to do what? Pray. Face. Who was he going to face? Mm -hmm. yeah. The tempter. Yeah. The other one was a writing of Paul in Thessalonians to the Thessalonian church, and he was talking about some of his brothers that he had a fear that the tempter had come and and uh, done something to affect them to cause them to quit the ministry. That's the only two times tempters used. It's interesting. Tempted is used about 24 times. So figure. Tempted has to do usually with the flesh. Tempted to do this, tempted to do that. We're going to look at some of it here in a minute. So David here in declaring, and this is a declaration. I mean, you can say it's a prayer, but it's a he is declaring, I have done this. If he hadn't done it, he wouldn't be writing it that he said he did. It wouldn't be in the Word because it'd be what? It'd be a lie. God can't lie, right? Amen. So David, by experience, is proclaiming here, and he's saying this. It's your word, God, that I've covered my heart. What's the heart? You ever think about what your heart is other than a blood-pumping vessel or organ? It's the central location of your emotions, your will, your intellect, 
basically who you are. Now, not, not in the physical, but spiritual. Jeremiah said, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Why? Why would such a statement be made? God made us, didn't he? Why would Jeremiah say the heart of man is desperately wicked? Because that's our nature. It's our fleshly nature. All of us. So what's important about this verse? What What's going to be our aid? Not a band-aid. There's Christians that love band-aids. Just put it on to fix the little problem and then I'll go do what I want to do again. No. What is the permanent aid against, again, the denying and the preventing of this temptation we're talking about? It's the Word of God laid over our heart, which, again, is the central part of about all we do. Our decision-making, thoughts even, actions, commitments, deeds, words, and other things. Stop right here. Anybody got a comment or remark of any kind? Like this is an area we really need to be clear in. Mm-hmm. There's, if you just open this door here, probably not in the dark, but even in the dark, not very long, it wouldn't take you long if there'd be a temptation pop up somewhere. Whatever form it took, there'd be one. This world's full of them. The world being full of it and our nature being led towards it, there's very likely to be a mix up somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to look at some scriptures in a minute that kind of talk about that. But let's spend a little more time here on what David's saying. <clears throat> when our heart is covered with God's, and, and the Bible, understand this, even though it's in type, it's the spoken word of God. It's what God said. It's not just what somebody wrote or run on a printing press or whatever they've got nowadays. It's, it's the spoken word of God. It's what contains power. It's what has the ability to deny or to prevent. But the problem is one covering their heart with that word. And you can only cover your heart with the word of God if you read the word of God or if you hear the word of God and you meditate on the word. See, meditating the word on the word of God brings it into you. Guess where it lands? In your heart. Amen. Now, if it stops in your ears, you already got a problem. Mm-hmm. I've heard some say, well, I'll just shove that on back to somebody else because I didn't like the sound of it. Mm-hmm. That's your problem. If it's the Word of God spoken in truth, preached, taught in the truth, then that's your problem if you want to shuck it off to somebody else. But the thing here that David's trying to say, you take the Word of God and you apply it to your heart and you cover your heart with it, mm-hmm. then it's going to be your mainstay against this, whatever this enemy, this tempting enemy happens to be in whatever form that he takes uh-huh. uh, it's interesting when you really start researching this and see the various scriptures and they all tie in together even though they may say it in a different way but they bring this thing into a really wrapped up package of what our understanding should be of temptation and what can we do about it how are we going well we've got it right here okay let's look at uh we may come back to this in a minute, but for the sake of time, uh, go over to the book of First Corinthians.
1 Corinthians. I'm just going to start in chapter 10. I'm going to start with verse 1. I'm going to read it to you if you want to read along with me. You know, remember me preaching Thanksgiving or the Sunday before on liberty? My subheading here above verse 10 says warning against forfeiting liberty. There's some danger areas we need to be aware of. Uh, If we want to venture off into treacherous territory spiritually, you're going to wind up forfeiting your liberty in the Lord. We're going to see pure evidence here in this. There's a lot of evidence in the Old Testament. And there's some think, well, the Old Testament don't matter anymore because Jesus died. Oh, the the Old Testament matters a whole lot. It's, It's a learning ground. It's an educational basis of what not to do. A lot of not what to do. You know, you want to invoke the wrath of God? Just go read the the Old Testament. Uh, thank God for grace. Amen. Let's look at verse one. Amen. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. I don't want you to not know. Is what he's saying. Above all things, I want you to know how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the seas. Talking about with Moses. Cloud led them by day and the fire by night and they passed through the sea, divided for them and the, the Egyptians were drowned in it. And verse 2 he says, And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Amen. Amen. Christ in Moses' day? I thought Christ didn't show up till later. He's always been been here. He was here in the beginning, wasn't he? Amen. See? Man, that was... That kind of further empowers me right there just reading that. Okay, we ain't stopping there. Let's go on. But with many of them... Listen, verse 5. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. When God's not well pleased, that don't mean it's like... No, he's not pleased. There's getting ready to be something happen here. Pretty drastic. All right. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. That word means strong. Guess who does the strong? Hmm. You know the implications of sin and rebellion against God are much more drastic than what a lot of people want to lead you to believe. They kind of nicey-nicey it up. I'm, if, you, if you go back and read some of the accounts, when God... I'm not saying God begs, but God sure tries to draw people out of sinful lifestyles and wickedness and evil because uh-huh. he wants the best for them. But when they persist in that, there comes a time and a point when God says, that's it. Now, interesting reading coming on down. Verse 6. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. What's lust? Desire. desire. Most often associated with what kind of desire? Ungodly desire. There are a couple of places I believe the Bible uses the words lust for a spiritual reason, but most often it's negative. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, that kind of thing. 
neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. It's getting deeper. We got lust going on now. We got idolaters. What's the big deal about idolatry? What God say in the first commandment? Yeah, and he said, Thou shalt have no graven images or anything representative of any other God but me. Mm -hmm. There's an area again where many people get mixed up. They think it's got to be some little statue or some little figurine before it can be a God. A God can be something that you put before God. That's what a, or an idol is, something you put before God. God says, I'm first. Treacherous ice, very thin ice. Many people are walking on. Okay, here we go. Verse 7. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. It wasn't ring around Rosie or Chase or any of that. That's not what that means. Come on. Amen. It's, not, it's, it's very brief. And it really doesn't define it, but I can tell you what it is. They fell into an absolute state of immorality. They were whining and partying and doing everything in the world. Open the door, you don't have to go far to see it, right? Mm -hmm. Everywhere. Everywhere. Same spirit. Same sin. Same, same idolatry. Same defi this defying God just in, in generality. I urge you a lot, and I, I know sometimes it's a grim picture to try to look and, and, and observe and see what's going on. But I think it's a good dose of reality when we do that. I think it can bring us to some biblical understanding of what we see in the physical, but what we can relate God's word to. Mm -hmm. Here's Amen. the warning signs. Here's the warning signs. Mm -hmm. We need to receive warning signs in, into our own yeah. selves too. Uh, Bible's full of them. They rose up to play. Corinth, who, where Paul's writing to the church in the middle, Corinth was a major city in the, the area of Greece and the, the world as it was known then. Hustling, bustling commerce. I mean, it, it was a, we could kind of say New York, okay? New York City kind of, kind of deal. Well, they had fallen into such a state of, of decay. I mean, they, they didn't know any, there was no positive spirituality about them anymore other than this church that Paul had founded in the middle of Corinth. Corinth was a city that was full of idolatry, and there's actually figurines and all kinds of gods. Uh, a lot of the Grecian gods, uh, one being Venus, was one that they worshipped. And Venus, actually the name means uh, to lust. What a name for a god, huh? Mm -hmm. To lust. Uh, lust is a broad area. You can lust for anything. You, you can desire for anything. And some of it is bad, bad, bad stuff. Uh, but remember this. When you, when you allow your luster to run loose, it may start small, but it's going to do nothing but grow and get bigger. I can tell you many, many people that that's happened to. So what's going on here? What's going on in Corinth that Paul's writing this to? And, and he's going to at lengths here to bring them up to where I started here. Actually, he wrote the whole letter, but just here in chapter 10. Uh, he's basically saying, don't be like this. When he says there, he says, neither be ye. Don't be like this. 
It will not serve you well to be like these people have been. Now, he's referring back to those in this reference here to the Old Testament book of Numbers where when Moses was leading the people there and they began to play, I mean to the extent, and I could be graphic tonight, but I'm not going to be. I mean, the Bible, if you read it, it gets pretty graphic sometimes. But it was in such a state of immorality that about 24,000 people died from a plague that was brought about by nothing other than sexual immorality. Don't tell me that God loves sexual immorality. Sorry, folks, it don't work. It might work for you, but it ain't going to work for God. When you see these terms in the Bible, uh, it may use one term, but it's talking in generality a lewdness or illicit behavior. That's exactly what was going on. There was a temple built to Venus, the god of fertility or god of lust. There were a thousand ladies that lived next to the temple and their business was ladies of the night and they sacrificed to idols and it was really deep and dark. It was bad, bad business. And that's why Paul is saying, because he's talking to a church that's having to live in the middle of this mess. And he's warning them, watch out for this temptation. First reason, because it's very alluring. And we all know that. Very alluring. All you got to do is look again. Mm-hmm. Makes me so mad constantly. Trying to hit that delete button. Hit that delete button. Leave my. I pay this phone bill. Get out of here and leave my phone alone. I ain't interested in that nonsense. Hit the delete. Don't open it up. Hit the delete. It'll go away. That's just good advice. What happens when stuff enters your eyes? Where's it lodge at? Heart in your What's a heart again? God mentions the heart many times. That's what he's interested in is the heart. That's what he works with is the heart. If we trash our hearts up with junk and lewdness and illicit behavior and all kinds of wickedness and evil, then there's not going to be God in, this in, the, in the same heart. It won't work. It can't be. It's either lust in the world and flesh or whatever, or it's going to be God. It's, it's one or the other. Um, as we go on here, verse 8, he said, Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed, and there it is, and fell in one day, three and 20,000. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine 23,000 being slaughtered instantly from a plague because of their behavior? That's a pretty good pile of folks. Amen. That'd be about four Tishmingos. Somebody had a lot of work to do, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Got snake bit. Mm-hmm. Who was the first snake? Tempted Christ is testing his patience. Testing God's patience. Keep pushing the limits. A little more illicit behavior, a little more lewd acts, a little more this, a little more this. Pushing that limit with God. 
many of you know there is a stopping place with God. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I can't tell you where it's at. I think it's individual. Pertains directly to every individual. What's what's going on? <clears throat> Paul's push here is to direct them away from this sin-filled, wicked, inundated society that they're living in and maintain the church as a strong, powerful church for Jesus Christ. In the hopes of what? What's always God's hope? To save the sinner, right? Uh -huh. But if the church starts doing the same thing the sinners all around them are doing, what effect is it going to have? I'll say it to myself. Pray, listen, what effect is the church going to have if it's acting just like the world is? None. None. Worse. It's going to be a terrible, bad example. That's why he's writing this. you got to be like Christians. you got to live like Christians. Don't do these things. Do what the word of God. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Might not. Not planning on it. Don't want to. And when my imagination might try to run wild and chase one of these things coming at me, the Word of God is going to be my source yeah. to deny it and prevent it. You can't get too much of it. You can't read it over and over again too much. You can't get bored and say, well, I've read it. I think I'll put it up and read comic books or something. Or worse. I think I'll flip that one-eyed devil over in the corner and watch it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hadn't had mine on to speak of other than a couple of times for just a brief few moments in about four months, and I don't miss it a bit, I'm honest. I don't miss it. Some people are addicted to it. Do you know addictions come in all forms? You know one of the major addictions of our times? First, the drugs, that's pretty big. You know what's bigger than that? Pornography. One of the most devastating addictions you can have because it disrupts marriages it disrupts families it disrupts your thinking it tears it messes with this thing right here that's supposed to belong to god and there's a lot of people caught up in it there's a lot of christian people caught up in it it does nothing but tear down if you allude to some kind of illicit picture more than you do the wife or the husband you have folks you got a problem and there's altars you need to be going to to get it fixed. God will help you. It's a terrible trap to fall in. Now, of course, they didn't have the means in this day and time that they do now. I mean, it's it's digitized now. I mean, it's every shape. But they still had it. It was just in human form. That's what Paul's saying. I know what you're facing. I know what's I know what's all around you. I know temptation's there, and I know it's going to hit you square in the face. And most of it is going to come from within you. Because as much as you want to try to believe and try to claim that you're resistant on your own, you're wrong. The only thing that can resist and prevent and deny is the presence of God in your heart and your life. Okay, let's look at some more scripture here. I think we're through here. Well, let's read on down here. It's not far. We're going to go through 13. Stay where you're at. Verse 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. A lot of names here for Satan. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition. Which means what? 
What's admonition? Good instruction. Direct, give us direction. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that think he stands take heed lest he fall. We're on, we're on a pinnacle here. Oh yeah. Anybody know what a precipice is? A precipice? Okay. Here's about 3,000 feet high, and you're standing right here, and there's a bottom you can't see. That little place right up here is called a precipice, the edge of the cliff. And the next step is going over. We kind of, in our fleshly nature, we, we kind of own that thing. Kind of, sort of, get, get what I'm saying? Because a lot of this directly relates to decisions we make, which, whether we're going to maintain fidelity and honoring of God, or we're going to go to infidelity and be immoral or whatever have you. So here again, it's a very tedious point that we live on. Take heed lest you think you stand, lest you fall. It's a long ways to the bottom, too. Thank God for Jesus. Relationship with Him. Giving this wonderful opportunity to avoid all this. Verse 13, last one in this book. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. What's that mean? Somebody want to take a stab at it? You ain't faced no temptation and anybody else hadn't faced. Amen. Temptations, are, there's a lot of them, but they're, I mean, they affect everybody. We need to know that. And it's not like we need to be afraid of them. We just need to tell them who's in charge. Amen. The God in my heart's in charge. I serve God, not this thing that's trying to get me to do ungodly things and contrary to God's word and, and unplease Him and maybe cause more severe consequences. We talk about that a lot around here too. Consequences, consequences, consequences. There's consequences to actions. There's consequences to your deeds. There's consequences to what you say, what you do, how you act, what you think. Consequences. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you, suffer meaning allow, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. I just couldn't help myself, really. God can. God can help yourself. We can look at this a couple of different ways. Within our pure humanness and no spiritual empowerment at all, probably not. We're not able because... Again, I can tell you countless people that in addictions, I'm telling you, they're terrible. There's gambling, there's sexual addictions, there's drug addiction, there's alcohol addiction, there's this addiction, that addiction, that addiction. There's a world of addictions. And they're, they're, they're life-gripping. we got places all around us that people can't stay out of and dump every dollar they've got and go home broke every time because they're addicted. Families in misery, pain, torment. Be surprised at the Christian tag numbers you'll find in the parking lots of those places on Sunday. 
Listen to me, they'll get you. When Paul's saying this, he'll get you. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape with the temptation. Oh, God just doesn't come along and throw it out? Is it, does, it, does your Bible say with the temptation? <clears throat> make a way of escape? Mm -hmm. well, why does that need to be there? be a lot better if he'd just come on, hey, just take this thing and chunk it, God. I, that ain't the way it works. Why? Because he will show us that he's able, whatever temptation it is, when you take him, you take his word, and you you trust in him and believe it, there's no temptation that's able to overcome you. But he will use that temptation with it and his ability to deliver to teach us a real good lesson. First of all, we ain't able on our own. And the second, he's a faithful God. Amen. If we get the junk out of our life or willing to do that or make a decision to do it and take him instead and take his word instead that it's so nourishing spiritually, it's so full of, I guess we could say, spiritual vitamins. Maybe somebody needs to hear it that way. I don't know. But it contains so much that we have need of nothing else. And any temptation that may come along, I mean, we may face it and we may deal with it, but is temptation necessarily a sin? No. Temptation's not a sin. It's what happens after the temptation that can become sin. Temptations come to us all, don't they? We just need to be honest. In some different, different ways, of course, but they come to us all. How many times a day are you tempted? Did you ever try to count? <laughs> Not try that one day. Just do that. You know how you put the little numbers, then you put a line, and then you like dominoes. You know. Try that. Get your piece of paper, one, then just be conscious about it. Say, boy, there was one. Yeah. We might become more aware of them if we do that. Mm -hmm. And thank you, Lord, you delivered me from that one. I got your word in my heart, Lord, right here, just like David. Amen. That you may be able to bury it. Hmm. Got to bury it. <laughs> For a reason. We grow from it. Amen. If you whoop the bully, what's the bully likely not to do? Come back. Come back in. Mm -hmm. Mr. Exterminator, if you poison the devil, he gonna die. How do you poison the devil? How do you poison a bad spirit or evil spirit? How do you poison it? What do they eat? Think about it. Just think about it in this sense. What do those things eat? What's their food? Their food is watching you succumb to their temptation. Amen. You starve them to death. Amen. You starve them to death. Say, uh -uh, not me. Prevent, deny. Word of God's the way to do it. You need to invest and get inside of you some power scriptures, some devil fighting power scriptures. Amen. Now you can carry this around and sling it and holler about it and wave it and all that but if you don't know nothing about what's on the inside of it it's not going to do you one bit of good Amen. but boy you get this down and you get it in you you're talking about seeing a change from things that's tempted you in the past and even brought about your almost destruction or at least your severe punishment or injury or whatever I'm, I'm talking spiritually or more than physically uh, but that's the thing about the word of God Okay, uh, a couple more here. Keep moving. 
Let's just go over to James, that famous portion where James wrote about that temptation. Let's look at it. Chapter 1, book of James. Before we start reading, and we've been all over this, can anybody here tell me where temptation most of the time comes from? Right here. That ought to tell us something. Mm -hmm. If it's coming from right here, we're constantly going to deal with it. Now, being the observer and reader of our actions, this other world, spiritual world out here, and all the little agents that are running around working in the evil business, strangely to some, have the ability to monitor what we do by watching. So when the dangle of temptation is dangled, and believe you me, they pretty much know by watching what yours is. Lurement, whatever your weakness, that's what you're going to face. They'll pop a new one in once in a while, but that, that's what you'll face. The Bible says we're overcomers by what? Word of our testimony. Blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Overcomers of what? I believe that's Revelations, isn't it? Right towards the end? Yeah. Jesus said it. I believe it's in red letters, if I'm correct. I'd have to look. So what but blood of the lamb, what's it do? If your heart's covered with the word of God, what's it also covered with? The blood of the Lamb. Are you saved? Amen. Come on. Oh. So we got a double whammy going on here. Oh, yeah. Well, again, think about it because the Word is Jesus. I've said that many times. It's alive. It's the Word. This, this is the Word. Jesus is the Word. Cover your heart with it. You've got the power and the ability through what God gave us, again, to resist and I prevent the temptation from having the effect that it's looking for. On okay, let's read what James says. I think we was here a while back, uh, not long ago. Uh -huh. Amen. Discussion or something, don't remember. Verse 13, chapter 1. Let no man say when he's tempted that I'm tempted of God. Don't don't ever do that. God don't do God can't do evil. He can't lie. He can't he can't. But this is a warning. I mean, he pretty much states it pretty explicitly. Like, don't, don't, don't let any man say that he's tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man to do evil. It's either man himself or on some occasions we know who the, the tempter is. Okay, going on. Every man, but every man, is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Wonderful little ingredients there to get this little ball rolling. Let's talk about it this way. But every man is tempted. What's tempted again? Tempted, basically, you're put into a situation or you're going to make a decision. And I'll say it this way, you're either going to go with God or you're going to go against God. That, that's, that's just the bottom line. That's cut and dried. There's, there's no other options. You're either going to live like heaven or you're going to live like... There's not an in-between. Some people think they are. They try to build their own, but I'm telling them there's not an in-between. They're tempted... When he is drawn away. 
drawn away. That's a term that's signifying that there's a force used, drawn. What kind of force? Where's the force coming from? What what do what do we love to do? What does the flesh love to do? If we don't control it, what's it love to do? It's like a pull. You ever play with two magnets? You can turn them one way and they'll push each other off, or you can turn that pole around, well, they'll suck right up to each other, won't they? Force. Within us, there, there's a force. It says here, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. So what's doing the pulling here? Where's the force? The lust. It's doing the pulling. It's doing that force. Whether it's pushing or whether it's pulling or whatever, there's a force within us that this temptation is using and it's called lust. Lust is the generating force that's pulling this thing. Because we're all human. And without God, it's a strong one. It's pretty much overcoming. Without the Word, covering our heart, blood of Jesus covering our heart, having a life in God, sold out to Jesus, committed to Him, serving you, Lord. I give you a life, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I give you everything. Keeping your head in this Word. I don't care if it's a scripture a day. Get your head in this Word. Get you this thing open. I don't. You might not understand what you read, but read it. If it goes in your eyes, it's going to go in your heart. I've shared before, it takes one-sixth of a second when your eyes fall on any kind of a vision that you're seeing something, it's one-sixth of a second, it's lodged in your mind, and then it's in your heart. So be careful what you look at, huh? Amen. Sometimes they're inescapable images for life. You just can't get rid of them. And enticed. Now, what have we already got in us here before entice comes along? What's enticed? You've got something in you that's subject to something out here. This draw, this desire this need for something but it ain't here it's out here maybe a little ways maybe a little but it begins to dangle this little lure this enticement you see this little trinket what's a little shiny trinket do if I had something brilliant as a diamond and start what would it would all y'all would it catch your vision sure it would that's an enticement guess what the enticement is Whatever it is, that desire, that strong desire in you is, that's what it wants. Uh-huh. And enticed. See, this thing's in motion now. There's a dating courtship taking place. There's a courtship between lust and enticement. But it gets thicker. Then when lust has conceived (coughs) 
in adult primates, we could say there's been an embryo produced. Of what? <coughs> Sin. Conceived, what he says. It's there now. But has it happened yet? Hmm. Not yet. But well, what's happened? If it's come to this point, what's happened? What? It's 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 grown into something a whole lot different than it was previous, right? If it had been shut off in the get go, but now it's got to a whole nother thing. There's been conception. And there's an embryo here that's wanting to be what? Born. Look. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. There's a produce now. You see how something so small can turn into something so different than it was in the beginning? Isn't that the way temptation is? It's not that bad. I'll try a little bit. I can tell you a lot of people, I keep saying this, that's tried a little bit. They're still on a bad road. Because they can't get away from what that little bit became to a whole lot. Amen. And it's got them in a stranglehold. It's what sin will do. When it is finished, bringeth forth death. Started out as just a temptation. Harmless looking little thing, didn't it? What was the end? Death. Death basically means destruction. Don't ever think that anything that looks bad is harmless. Come just on. because it don't look that harmful. Or I looked once so it won't hurt to look again. Or I did it once so it won't be that bad big a thing if I do it again. The longer it goes, the worse it gets. Then temptation. See, we could look at this when it when finally this thing's born. That's more you know, as long as it's in even the conception stage, it can still be dealt with. Don't let your mind go too far. It's not what I'm talking about. I sense that thing. There's, there, I think there was a Supreme Court case. I, I don't know what they're going to say. We didn't even pray about that. Uh-huh. Whole different thing. Yeah. The abortion case. Yeah. Supreme Court's hearing it. Very likely going to do away with Roe versus Wade. I don't know if it's going to work or not. There's been too many babies killed in this world. Yeah. That's a whole other deal. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. But just understand that at the point the Everything remains in us. Let's say it this way. The the combustible is in us. The dry grass. Mm -hmm. Firemen know what I'm talking about. This is fire danger season. Why? Because the grass is dry. The vegetation is dry. What does it take? One spark. And you got an inferno. Mm -hmm. What's the spark? The little enticement. Spark this thing. Get it going. But the end is total devastation. 
like the where we begin here, uh, or or the second series of verses went to in, in the Corinthians. They lived in a spiritually miserable uh, city, really yeah. a whole area. And re-emphasizing what I did earlier, Paul, knowing that they were very subject or likely to fall to the temptation that was going on all around them. And I think this is a perfect area for every church to be teaching their people this day and time. We're living in much the same condition. Amen. Everything that's evil has become good. Amen. And we're having to live in the middle of it. We're supposed to be the instrument of God on earth, right? Mm-hmm. Upholding godliness. Praising the Lord for what He's done for us. Receiving the salvation and being examples. Not part of the problem. We don't need to be problematic. But biblematic. How about that? <laughs> Automatic biblematic. Charismatic. There you go. Any questions? Well, I think we're about through here. Right on time, too. There it is. I think you used this the other day. Uh, I'm going to drop down to verse 22, and we're going to close. But be you doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Mm-hmm. Fits right in. Any discussion? We're going to close. <clears throat> Yes, I just wanted to share a, a small story, one that I've shared before, but maybe it's something that haven't heard this before. It was some years back, and I was in a, a spiritual war, and I had one outside, and I was enormously frustrated. Um, it didn't seem like I was getting the results that I wanted, and um, I was praying, I was reading, doing everything that I was wanting to, you know, that I mm-hmm. you know, needed to do formulistically yeah. anyway. And I, uh, I went out to my, my shop, and I have a punching bag out there. And so I was working on this punching bag. Well, as I'm working on this punching bag, and I'm just, I'm just you know, nothing major. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't going all out. You talking working on it or working on it? No, I'm punching. Oh, okay. Punching all right, got you. I'm punching on this punching bag, and it's kind of swaying there, and I've got this thing chained up on mm-hmm. a rafter. And, uh, and I remember in my mind, in my spirit, I kept asking the same question. I was like, I just don't understand why nothing's working. Why won't anything work? I'm doing exactly what you want mm-hmm. me to do. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And I'll never forget that I was there was a bunch of stuff on the ground and there was, you know, just stuff kind of in the way, but I was still punching on that punching bag. And I punched that punching bag and it snapped and broke. At the same time I was thinking this, asking these questions, and this thing come crashing down. All the chains were popping everywhere. And I was like, whoa. And it scared me. Mm-hmm. And I backed up. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you keep hitting him, he will fall. <laughs> That's good. That's Amen. good. Hitting him. Yeah, hitting him. Hitting and I picked him. up, I did, and I picked up the chain, one of the links said snap. And I remember, now he didn't speak this particular part to me, but I got what he was trying to say, that it didn't necessarily take the hardest blow it was the consistent hitting yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. wore it Working out. Down, and down. then when it snapped, it snapped. And mm-hmm. so, uh, good. So, Excellent. Fits well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, youth are not in here, but 
I mean, this is, man, this is stuff they need. Uh, they're faced with it. You don't have to yield to the temptation just because everybody else is. There's, there's disaster stories to be heard in that simple yielding from this to that. Lives change because of falling to one temptation. It takes a whole different direction. And the more we become aware and attuned to this word, get it in us, and understand that temptations are flying everywhere, and it's not something that's going to go away. It's something we've got to deal with on a multiple-time daily basis. What form they may come. All right. Anybody else, Brother Jim? The time to deal with temptation is right, right when it comes. Best time, isn't it? Not wait till tomorrow. Yeah. That's right. For the next minute, sometimes. You no, know, the next minute, yeah. Yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah, you need to move. Yeah. You know, the old saying, I'm a gun smoke fan, just get out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, if you got to leave, get away from it. They can laugh at you, they can mock you, they can call you, what they call you now if you if you don't join in with the crowd, what they call you now? I, they, names change all the time, you know. I, I don't know what. Anyway, don't, hey, you're going to come out better than they are, I promise you, if you just leave. Just head out. Can't do it. Yeah. All right, let's, yeah, go ahead. I'll take whatever name he's going to call me. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I'll take that new name. Amen. Okay. Anybody else? Did you have a hand up? Can you? No. Oh, I thought you did. Okay. All right. Any of you guys? Good to have you all tonight again. Good to be here. Yeah. All righty. Let's stand. We'll dismiss. Nathan, you'll dismiss us tonight? Sure. <coughs> Heavenly Father, I just ask that as we uh, wrap up and we leave, Father, that we would. Uh, fully and completely receive this this lesson that you've tried to give us father that uh we would go home and we would chew on it and mm -hmm. we would just try to pull everything out of it that we can gain from it father because ultimately it's your word and it's gonna help us in this mm -hmm. life it's gonna help Absolutely. us in this walk and uh i pray and i plead the blood of jesus on everybody here father mm -hmm. we would stay safe and we would uh snuff out temptation when it arrives we would Look to your word and hide it within our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. God bless you.